Well, today is the, um, the feast of the dedication of Mary. So it's a, it's a beautiful Marian feast that we have today. And I'd like to focus, uh, departing from our, our beautiful, joyful gospel, I'd like to, to go back to our first reading and focus on this because it only comes around at, uh, every other year, this, this reading from the book of Maccabees. We got this very long passage from Second Maccabees portraying uh, this gentleman Zacchaeus. This is about 180 years or so before the birth of Christ. It's Old Testament, and uh, you've got this tyrant, um, a pagan tyrant, who sends his lackeys into Jerusalem and forces the Jews in Jerusalem to do things that are contrary to their religion. And in this in this particular uh, instance. They're forcing Zacchaeus to eat pork. Okay, maybe it's slightly funny or something, but it, it was a very serious thing because in the Old Testament, there's a law against eating the flesh of swine um, amongst a number of other animals that are considered unclean. And Zacchaeus, you, you, we see a lot of noble and admirable things here about Zacchaeus. There's people, some of the pagans who are kind of friendly towards him and they feel bad for him. They're like, you know, look, how about we do this? We're just going to get some some beef or something, you know, on the side and, and bring it to you. You just eat that and just make it look like you're eating pork, but you can, you know, really eat beef. And Zacchaeus reasons in a very proper way. He says, it doesn't, I mean, that would be better than eating pork, but at the same time it would send the message and portray the image and the appearance of me violating the law, and then that would be a bad example. So he's very mindful that as an older person, I need to be an example to the younger. Is that wonderful? Um, and he's willing to actually die to give up a good example and not to scandalize and lead astray the younger generation. It's very, very admirable. But I think what I want to focus on, though, is something um, I've reflected on oftentimes in the past. I haven't ever preached on it, and so I'd like to preach on it now. It's this. If we could just get a simple concept down, when it comes to law, there are two kinds of laws, okay, fundamentally at least, two kinds of laws. We have what's called natural law on the one hand, and then on the other we've got what's called positive law, okay? Positive law, I'll give you examples of that. It's laws that are laid down by the state that have to do with things like property rights and traffic laws. Traffic laws are a great example of positive law. If you violate a, a traffic law, there's nothing intrinsically contrary to nature. Okay, It's just simply going contrary to the authority that established the law, in this case being the state. Okay, So positive law is not grounded in nature or in the nature of things. It's not grounded in the created reality. Natural law, on the other hand, is grounded in the in the order of things and the objective order of things. So it doesn't matter whether the state says I shouldn't or should I should or should not commit adultery. If I commit adultery, I'm doing something that's contrary to the moral law that's grounded in the nature of things. Okay? So it's not based natural law is not based on any positive authority saying it's right or it's wrong. Okay? Now the vast majority of laws that Christians follow as Christians, as disciples of Christ, are of the natural law. And I focus, I preach that, that point I talk about a lot, because sometimes people are under the impression that God just makes up these rules, and they're just arbitrary rules. And he's just, you know, he just wants us to jump through lots of hoops, you know, just because he likes to see us dance like a bunch of monkeys on a string. 
You know, and uh, it's really not the case. God is interested in our own happiness, in our own well-being, and He knows that if we violate these laws that are intrinsic to nature and that are grounded in the nature of things, He knows it's going to be bad for us. So He says no to to these various things uh, because they're objectively bad for us, and He cares about us. So that's. That's the primary number of laws that Christians follow. They're going to be grounded in the objective moral law. Now, in the Old Testament, it was different. There was, of course, a lot of laws in the Old Testament that were grounded in the natural law that are natural laws. But there was also a lot of them that were purely positive laws, that were not grounded in anything that's intrinsically right or wrong. They were just simply expressions of God's will. Okay, And uh, one of them was the dietary Prescriptions, okay, such as not to eat uh, uh, pig's flesh. All right, that's just a. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with eating pig's flesh. Okay, so sometimes people make the argument, well, God didn't want them to eat pig's flesh because of trichinosis or something like that. But you know, that's really not the case. Um, the dietary laws in the Old Testament, their rationale was much different than anything having to do with health or whatnot. They were just pure positive laws. So the Jews followed them simply because they wanted to obey God's will. And in the Jewish tradition, you know, there's a story that's, you know, a rabbi is asked, you know, why don't you eat pork? You know, is it you don't like pork? Is it not tasty to you? And the and the rabbi responds, No, 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 I like pork, but I just what can I do? The Almighty prescribes it, so I can't eat it. Because God says not to. Okay? So the Jews themselves don't try to ground the dietary laws in any kind of natural law. And uh, there, there's something very uh, important about emphasizing that for Christians, almost all of those positive laws from the Old Testament are, are done away with. And what's really left is just the, the raw moral law based in nature. There's something very important about affirming that. At the same time, though, there is something beautiful about the Old Testament positive laws because the person that obeyed them was obeying them simply because it was God's will. And they're in a relationship with God. And so it was a beautiful expression of their personal relationship with God and just simply wanting to follow his will just because it was his will. So there was something very beautiful about those Old Testament positive laws such as not eating Swine's flesh. For us Christians, though, I can think of maybe one example of a law that is primarily a positive law. And that is attendance on to, of Mass on Sundays. Okay? That's an example of a positive law that holds true for Christians. And the authority who establishes that law is the church. Okay? There's something very beautiful, because someone will say, well, like, what's wrong with missing Mass on Sundays? Are you kidding me? You're telling me that God really cares about something like that? Well, you know, that kind of bad attitude, that kind of nasty attitude, there's, there's something, there's a truth to that, in that attendance on Mass on Sunday as opposed to Saturday or Friday or whenever, it's not grounded in the nature of things. It's not intrinsically wrong. Okay, according to the created order, to miss Mass on Sunday. But it is wrong simply because the church, which is God's authority on earth, has said this is the day that we are obliged to, to attend Mass. 
And uh, how beautiful of an expression is it to say so, to, for someone to say, I respect God's authority, and I respect the authority of the church that he has given, that he has placed on the earth. And simply because I love God and I want to do his will, I joyfully attend Sunday Mass, and I would fear to miss it or a holy day of obligation. How beautiful is that? I think that's the one area that we as Christians have where we can be like Eleazar, where we even would, at the expense of our life, obey God's will simply because it's his will. Simply because it's his will. And I think today as we celebrate the Feast of the Dedication of Mary, this is what we see. Mary was all about God's will. That was the most important thing to her. And when the angel came to her and said, you're going to be the mother of God, she says, this is God's will. May it be done to me according to your word. I am the handmaid of the Lord. Mary is a supreme example of total obedience. And today we celebrate her dedication to the temple. And what that was is when she was a little girl, she was given, dedicated, handed over to the temple to like, it's like an altar girl. All right. She was responsible for taking care of the linens and those sorts of things in the Old Testament temple. And uh, that that symbolic action of dedicating Mary as a little girl to the temple is a sign of uh, her total handing herself over to the will of God that would begin from her childhood on throughout the course of her life, especially as she becomes the mother of God, and then especially as she gives her son to God on the cross, all because it's simply uh, an act of obedience to God's will because it's God's will. So my brothers and sisters, let us have that same attitude we see in Eleazar in our first reading and that we see most preeminently in our Blessed Mother Mary doing God's will out of love for him simply because it's his will.